It's late 1996, and fair-haired marketing visionary Mark Hall is lost. Lost on a desolate palm tree-lined street in the Southern Californian city of Corona. Hall pulls over and checks his map. He's on the right street, but where's the building? All he sees are windowless white Lego brick offices. No signs, no people anywhere. Not a good omen. He starts his rental car again and cruises the street. Eventually, he finds what he thinks is the right building. He heads through a set of reflective brown glass doors. A receptionist sits behind a desk, filing her nails. Hall walks over. Is this Hanson Beverages? Yes, you must be Mr. Hall. Mr. Sachs is waiting for you. Rodney Sachs is the CEO of Hanson Beverages, and he desperately needs Hall's help. Hall is fresh from helping Arizona iced tea blow away the competition with its eye-catching large pastel can. Sachs, a bold South African, wants Hall to work the same marketing magic on his ailing diet soda and fruit juice company. He's been trying to get Hall out to Corona for weeks. But Hall's got bad news for Sachs. The receptionist leads Hall to a meeting room as plain as the building's exterior. Inside is a man in a suit with graying hair. He stands up and greets Hall warmly. Hello, Mark. Very good to meet you at last. I'm Rodney Sachs. Have you considered our job offer? I have, but but I'm still not convinced. Sachs looks crestfallen. He needs Hall. Hanson's a minor league soda maker with a wholesome image, and it's been having a hard time. None of its drinks are wowing consumers. Two years ago, it narrowly avoided bankruptcy. Sachs needs someone with spark and vision who can get Hanson out of its rut. Okay, what's putting you off? No offense, but I can't work with what you've got. Your brands, they're kind of blah. I can't do anything with them. Ouch. Sachs feels hurt, but he brushes it off. He bought this generation's old family company four years ago, and he won't admit defeat. Not yet. Maybe giving Hall free reign is the answer. How about... How about we give you your own team and, and you just do new products? Hmm, that might work. Sachs feels an adrenaline rush. He's nearly closed the deal. He decides to clinch it with a big incentive. I'll also give you stock options for 150,000 shares. Hall does the math in his head. With that many shares, all he needs to do is get Hanson's stock up from about two cents a share to five dollars a share and he'll be made for life. Okay, I'm in. Sachs smiles. Good. Any thoughts on what kind of product you might start with? Yeah. You heard of Red Bull? It's massive in Europe. It's sold as an energy booster. I think a similar drink would do well in the U.S. too. But we gotta move fast. I've heard Red Bull's about to expand into the U.S., but if we get in quick, I think we can steal the market from them. Hall and Sachs are dreaming big. They're now thinking they can stop Red Bull in its tracks. But their first attempt to top the energy drink business is going to fail badly. From Wondery, I'm David Brown, and this is Business Wars.
You're listening to episode two in our series, Red Bull versus Monster Energy, Beast Gores Bull. In the last episode, Austrian marketing whiz Dietrich Mateschix turned a Thai energy drink into Red Bull and conquered Europe. Now, he's bringing Red Bull to America. He's armed with millions of dollars and a battle-tested guerrilla marketing strategy. But Mateschix is about to run up against a formidable foe. It's late 1997 in Los Angeles. A salesman for the U.S. Red Bull team places a silver and blue can in front of a buyer for a grocery store chain. The buyer stares at it. The salesman leans forward. Go on, try it. The buyer grabs the can and pulls the tab. He raises the drink to his lips and sips. He gives the salesman a puzzled glance and takes another swig. Hmm, it's better on the second taste. I wasn't sure at first, but, you know, it, it's not so bad. Not great either, though. Maybe, but, but your stores will make more money from this than Coke, Pepsi, and 7-Up combined. <laughs> that's, that's a bold claim. How do you figure that? You've only just launched in the U.S. It'll be as big here as in Europe. And, and what's more, it sells at $2 a can. What? $2 for that skinny can? You're kidding. No, no, I'm not. And people will pay for the massive energy boost Red Bull delivers. The buyer can't figure out this guy. Is he overconfident or is he arrogant? Is he bluffing? Uh, Can this weird drink really sell that well? All right, we'll try it. Give me a couple of free cases and we'll see how it sells. Nope. Huh? We don't do free cases. You'll have to buy them. And before you ask, we're not going to pay you to put it into your stores either. The buyer can't believe what he's hearing. And he's heard enough. Look here, buddy. I don't know how things work in Europe, but in this market, we get some free cases. And if it sells well, we start stocking it. You need us. We don't need you. I'm the one holding all the cards. The salesman shrugs. I see. You're not ready for Red Bull. That's okay. Some stores prefer to play it safe. I get that. I'll come back another time. You're leaving? Yeah. Uh, No big deal. When the time is right, you'll buy. The salesman stands up, shakes the shocked buyer's hand, and heads for the door. The buyer feels like he's about to miss out on something. Something that could be big. Oh, wait. (sighs) Okay. I'll buy a couple of cases. Red Bull's only just arrived in America, but its sales strategy is leaving U.S. store buyers stunned. No one has heard of Red Bull, and yet its salesmen act like buyers are losers if they don't get that it's the hottest drink around. But for the moment, Red Bull isn't worrying about winning over grocery stores. Instead, the company's targeting America's most fashionable bars and nightclubs. Red Bull wants to replicate its European strategy, make itself a fixture on the party scene, and build a reputation as a cool, mysterious underground drink. Officially, Red Bull presents itself to bars as a standalone drink. But everyone knows the real story. From the hottest New York clubs to the most happening bars in L.A., Red Bull is seen as the ideal mixer with alcohol if you want a party late into the night. It's an energizer so good that hip consumers will pay $18 for a vodka Red Bull. 
Soon, Red Bull's sweeping America's big cities. Wild claims circulate about its invigorating ingredients. Some claim it's made with the semen of bulls. Others reckon it contains amphetamines. But rather than address the rumors, Red Bull stokes them. As Mattershix tells his U.S. team, Our biggest threat is a lack of interest. Mystery and a hint of danger are important. These rumors make Red Bull more interesting. But Red Bull's not the only energy drink fighting for America's attention. In April 1997, four months after recruiting Mark Hall, Hansen launches its answer to Red Bull. The company calls its competitor drink Hansen's Energy. It's not a drink that will win prizes for innovation. Just like Red Bull, Hansen's Energy comes in 8-ounce cans and pushes its caffeine and taurine content. Aided by Hansen's existing relationships with retailers, Hansen's Energy rapidly tops America's embryonic energy drink market. But its reign barely lasts a year. As Red Bull expands its U.S. distribution and steps up its marketing, Hansen's Energy's market share crumbles. By 2001, Red Bull's grabbed two-thirds of the energy drink market with its nightclub strategy and is now moving into stores in a big way. And Hansen's energy? Well, it's fading fast. It's not only losing ground to Red Bull, but also to a rush of new energy drinks. And among these new challengers is a brash tonic from Las Vegas. It's summer 2001, and a limousine is prowling the streets of San Francisco. Heads turn as the limo heads down Market Street, blasting rock music. Pedestrians stop and stare. The sides of the limo are painted with an unfamiliar logo. The word Rockstar in big yellow capital letters with a star replacing the A. Suddenly, a man with a shock of gelled carrot red hair bursts from the limo's sunroof. He strikes a crucifix pose while holding two large cans of Rockstar in his hands and starts yelling at startled San Franciscans. Party like a rock star. Drink rock star energy. Double the strength, double the size. That red-headed 30-something is Russell Weiner, the son of conservative talk show host Michael Savage. Weiner's the founder of Rockstar. He's only just launched his drink, but he's thinking big. <laughs> Literally. Instead of the eight-ounce cans used by other energy drinks, Weiner's Energy Booster is sold in black 16-ounce cans emblazoned with a yellow star. And for the same $2 price tag as Red Bull. Spend the same, get twice the energy. Weiner's Double for Your Money ploy works. Rockstar starts selling fast. Within a year, Weiner sells nearly $3 million worth of Rockstar. By 2004, Rockstar has grabbed 7% of the energy drink market, making it America's number two energy drink. But Red Bull's still way out in front. It's got 59% of what's becoming a fast-growing $5 billion a year market. For Hansen, Rockstar's arrival on the energy drink scene is the killer blow. With sales of Hansen's energy in freefall, Hall calls Hansen Chief Rodney Sachs into a crisis meeting at the company's headquarters in Corona. Hall goes straight to the heart of the problem. Rodney, Hansen's energy is hemorrhaging market share. The problem is the Hansen brand. 
it, it's, it's just too wholesome. People associate Hansen with natural sodas, smoothies, juices. That doesn't work for energy drinks. We need our energy drink to break away from the Hansen brand. Sachs is horrified. No way. Absolutely no way. I'm building a wider beverage brand here, and that brand is Hansen. I'm not just throwing that away because one product's struggling. We're getting killed out there. Look at the image of Red Bull. Look at Rockstar. Our brand is so out of step with them and the people who drink energy drinks. We need a brand that says action, adrenaline, and fire. Energy drinks are punk rock, not the freaking eagles. The two men glare at each other. Sachs is wedded to his strategy of applying the Hansen brand to every beverage his company makes. But Hall's not backing down. Look, you hired me for my marketing expertise, and I'm telling you that unless we create a new brand for our energy drink, we're finished in that market. Just let me do my job. Don't tie my hands. Sachs says nothing for a moment. He hates the idea of dropping the Hansen brand. But Hall's logic rings true. Fine. But let me be very clear. I hate this idea. But yes, I did hire you for your expertise. So, what do you have in mind? A new attitude. A more aggressive and rebellious brand. An energy drink for party-hard blue-collar guys with tattoos. Red Bulls for yuppies and snooty New Yorkers. I want our energy drink to be sold in big 16-ounce cans like Rockstar and be grungy and all-American. You got a name? I got a few ideas. Hammerhead. Fat Boy. Deuce. Igniter. But the one I'm leaning towards is... Monster. It's October 2002, and hundreds of people are heading into the Las Vegas Convention Center. They're here for the National Association of Convenience Stores show. Among them is a store owner from Denver. As he enters the building, he spots a friend he hasn't seen for years. Hey, Tom! It's, it's been years. You still in Memphis? Ray, yeah. I'm still in Memphis. You heading to the exhibition floor? Sure am. I'll walk with you. The pair head toward the exhibition hall. They're expecting the usual brands and stayed booths. But as they enter the hall, a blast of Jimi Hendrix's voodoo child grabs their attention. They turn to see where the music's coming from, and their jaws drop. Before them is a huge booth decked out in sinister black and neon green. Two tall speakers are pumping out Hendrix's guitar shredding. The booth is full of young models gyrating to the music in black leather bras, miniskirts, and over-the-knee boots. What the hell? The gobsmacked pair stare at the booth's giant logo, a huge green M that looks like it's been torn into the black wall by the claws of an enormous beast. Underneath the logo are the words, Monster Energy. Monster Energy? Never heard of it. One of the leather-clad women shimmies towards them. She's clutching two big, black, chilled 16-ounce cans of Monster. You guys need a boost? 
Then you'll need these. Who are you people? Monster Energy, the new energy drink from Hansen. The store owners can't believe it. Hansen? The guys who make those nicey-nice sodas? Yeah, Monster's one heck of a curveball for Hansen. Its new drink is far from sunny. It's mean and it's moody. A hyper-caffeinated blend of taurine, B vitamins, ginseng, and the amino acid L-carnitine. The big splash in Vegas is only the beginning for Monster Marketing Chief Mark Hall. In the months that follow, Hall's team hits the road. They're on a mission to win over stores one by one. For months, they tour the Sun Belt, racking up the miles as they build Monster's presence coast to coast. And to help them with their mission, Hall raids the Red Bull playbook. It's summer, 2003, and the ESPN-sponsored X Games, the annual extreme sports competition, is underway in Los Angeles. Hall's here, too, and he's come prepared. He's packing $25,000 in cash, and he's going to use it to get X Games athletes backing Monster. We're down to our final runs. He heads to the locker rooms and flashes his cash at wide-eyed skateboarders, BMX bikers, and freestyle motocross riders. Within hours, the X Games are full of competitors wearing Monster-branded helmets and tops. It's the start of an action sports arms race between energy drink makers. Hall pumps millions of dollars into sponsoring the extreme sports elite, and with each new daredevil he signs, awareness of Monster grows. Within a few years, Monster's spending $15 million a year on its roster of action sports stars. But next to the hundreds of millions Red Bull's spending, it's peanuts. The Austrian energy drink giant's already got 500 athletes on its books. And now Red Bull's about to take the battle to a new level. In November 2004, Red Bull buys the Jaguar Racing Formula One team and renames it Red Bull Racing. The following year, Red Bull snaps up an Austrian soccer club and rebrands it Red Bull Salzburg. In 2006, Red Bull buys a NASCAR team and also reboots Major League Soccer squad Metro Stars as the New York Red Bulls. Keeping this portfolio of sports teams is going to cost the company hundreds of millions, but it's worth it. Each one puts the Red Bull brand in front of millions of people each day. But it's not enough. No matter how much Red Bull spends, it just can't seem to stop Monster's advance. With its rebel image and supersized can, Monster's winning over legions of Americans. By 2005, Monsters replaced Rockstar as the number two energy drink, and it's closing in on Red Bull. And that's when Anheuser-Busch comes calling. Anheuser-Busch is the brewery giant behind Budweiser, and it's got its eye on Monster. In early 2006, a senior executive from Anheuser-Busch heads to Corona to strike a deal with Hansen CEO Rodney Sachs. We want to get more non-alcoholic drinks into our distribution network. We're impressed by Monster, and we want to distribute it. We're doing just fine, thanks. Why would we do this? Well, we've noticed that you're selling Monster directly to stores. 
That's very labor intensive and it limits how fast you can grow. Our network can get you into more stores, bars, and clubs much faster than you can alone. Also, we're global. We could help you take Monster beyond the U.S. Now that's an appealing offer. It's a chance to make Monster grow even faster. And Sachs knows it. In May 2006, Hansen and Anheuser-Busch strike a distribution deal, turning up the heat on Red Bull. The alliance also gives Hansen's stock another boost. Thanks to Monster, Hansen's share price has jumped more than 1,000% in just a few years. Hansen's now one of the hottest stocks of the 2000s, right up there with the likes of Apple, Amazon, and Google. And Monster's not done yet. As 2007 begins, Hansen starts releasing more and more Monster-branded drinks. It launches new flavors, bigger cans, and even a Monster-branded chilled coffee to take on Starbucks Frappuccino. All of which help Monster claw away even more market share from Red Bull. In November 2008, Monster inches ahead of Red Bull to become America's leading energy drink. It's grim news for Red Bull boss Mattershix. For years, he's refused to expand the Red Bull range beyond the original formula and its companion sugar-free version. Now, Mattershix knows he can no longer sit back. It's time for a refresh. It's time for Red Bull to slay the monster. In the next and final episode, Red Bull heads to extremes of the earth. A former Hindu monk delivers a small but powerful punch to the energy drink kings, and Monster is accused of having blood on its hands. From Wondery, this is Business Wars. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And we hope you'll subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. There's a link on the episode notes. All you have to do is tap or swipe over the cover art. And you'll also see some offers from our sponsors. We hope you can support our show by supporting them. Now, if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you could give us a five-star rating. And while you're at it, tell your friends how to subscribe. Another way you can support us is to answer a short survey at wondery.com survey. And don't forget to tell us what business war stories you'd like to hear. Just a quick note about the conversations you've been hearing. We can't know exactly what was said, but this dialogue is based on our best research. I'm your host, David Brown. Tristan Donovan wrote this story, edited by Emily Frost. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Jenny Lauer is our producer. Sound designed by Bay Area Sound. Our executive producer is Marshall Louie, created by Hernan Lopez for Wondering.